Hello everyone, welcome to our Triangles Meditation Group, a weekly webinar. Today is April 3rd, 2023. And so as we do each week, let's begin by linking with the group, the worldwide group of Triangles members everywhere, and followed by the sounding of the noontime recollection. We know, O Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. We always like to extend a special welcome to those of you who might be new to the work of Triangles and to introduce some thoughts related to this daily planetary service and encourage you, if you are so inclined, to form a triangle, which can be done by placing your name in the chat box here or going to the Facebook group, Triangles Meditation Group, or going to a special bulletin board that's available on the triangles.org website where you can link up with people throughout the world who are looking to form triangles. So again, we welcome all of you. And this weekly webinar is also provided so that those of us who are already members of triangles can come together each week and participate in a meditative visualization to support and strengthen this planetary service. Triangles is a visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. It was established in 1937 by the Tibetan master as a service project of the Arcane School. And so all school members, but anyone so inclined, is encouraged to do what they can to promote this work so that the network can build and strengthen particularly as we move towards the period of the externalization. The work is um, simply related to establishing lines of lighted loving communication between yourself and two triangles partners. Uh, these people can be in your local community, in your family, or on the other side of the planet. It really doesn't matter. And you don't have to coordinate the work at the same time each day, making it easy, easy to establish these relationships mentally, spirit, spiritually, and in a spirit of goodwill to all humanity. So once you visualize your triangle, you place it within the larger planetary network of triangles. And as the visualization is enhanced, uh, you sound the great invocation, which is a perfect vehicle for the distribution of light and goodwill, which is what is released through this work. And it filters through the etheric network, the energy body that surrounds the great life of planet Earth. And through this means, we help to reconfigure and transform the planetary etheric from a network of squares, which is primarily the present uh, manifestation of our etheric network, which is related to the personality and to a non-sacred planet such as Earth. And we work to transfigure this network into a network of triangles, which is reflective of the soul and of a sacred planet. So it's a long-term project. You don't become a sacred planet overnight. But through the daily work of Triangles members and those who are participating in this work from the other side, those within the spiritual hierarchy and beyond, uh, we know that much is being done to transform our planet into a sacred planet. And we're told that on the inner planes, that momentous task has already been accomplished and that now we're in the long and challenging process of precipitating that sacredness onto the physical plane. 
So again, welcome to you all. And after our, um, after our triangles meditation today, we'll be opening up the meeting to a longtime coworker from Hungary named Judith Hegedus. Uh, she has a keen interest in the role of goodwill in international relations. And she's been working in education for 15 years, first focusing on global student mobility. And she's now heading a Catholic private school foundation in Austria. And her topic today will be the inner voice as a guide in decision-making. And I know Judith and I can testify that she is a person who definitely embodies what she's her topic that she will be speaking about. So we really look forward to welcoming Judith. And also to announce that this Wednesday, we will be holding the Lucis Trust Aries Full Moon Meditation Meeting. That'll be at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. And the actual time of the full moon is early in the morning on Thursday at 12.34 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Um, so now let's work with our visualization. Visualizing the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And within that sphere, let's visualize a triangle composed of the three planetary centers. Shambhala, the head center, the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart, and humanity, the planetary throat center. And visualize the circulation of energies flowing in all directions around the triangle, merging and blending the three points, filling the triangle with light. Now we invoke the spiritual will and bring down that energy and evoke the Christ embodied as a five-pointed indigo star in the center of the triangle, the world teacher linking east and west, past and future, radiating the energy of love wisdom. And at the center of the star, visualize the group standing, invoking the spiritual will, and visualizing the three spheres of the planetary centers coming into alignment and forming one sphere, the sphere of the new group of world servers. Visualize that sphere full of unlimited points of light representing the multitude of groups and individuals working within the new group along all the lines of endeavor. We breathe in soul energy and breathe it out through the group and throughout all humanity through the planetary network. And as we sound the affirmation of light, 
let's visualize these energies radiating forth through all the groups, through the network, and through the five planetary centers. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo. Linked with the group and with the hierarchy, we sound the mantra. Radiance, we are in power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. So Judith will be speaking about the guidance that comes from the inner voice. And that reminded me of a favorite section of mine from Esoteric Psychology 2, which is related to the urge to the creative life. It's a different techniques that the Tibetan gives, different um, understandings that relate to the different uh, ray energies and clearly from the title of this technique urge to the creative life we can relate it to the fourth ray and therefore to an energy that is coming in and an energy that has been challenging for humanity to deal with in the past uh, centuries and Perhaps, he says, through the influence of the accompanying energy of the planet Saturn, that humanity will, through a more disciplined and balanced approach to this energy, be able to utilize it in a more effective manner. And it seems that we can already sense the influx and the incoming of this energy, because energies usually work out. Um, with more of a challenge uh, when they're first coming in. And so we can see this fourth ray of harmony through conflict hovering uh, and conditioning that dark overshadowing cloud, that group of nations in um, Eastern Europe, the Middle East, wherein there is so much uh, conflict at the present time. And I've spoken with Judith about the fact that we, we think that her country has a strong fourth ray influence, as surely do um, Germany, we're told by the Tibetan, Austria, probably the Slovakia countries, and um, Ukraine itself. So the fourth ray is alive and well, acting out um, principally in a lower manifestation and through Perhaps uh, this challenging period, we can come to a greater ability to work with dialogue, which is such a highlighted theme of the fourth ray, the need for dialogue, both within the human kingdom, but also through the new group of world servers, extending that dialogue to the dialogue that's so needed between the spiritual hierarchy and humanity. And what better time to work on establishing that dialogue with hierarchy as we enter this week into the period of the three spiritual festivals. And as I mentioned last week, perhaps invoking, doing what we can as a group 
to invoke the spirit of resurrection, a great Kumara that's said to bring livingness, a new sense of livingness to humanity, which is so needed at this time. And I just wanted to really cut this short and just read a passage that's related to this urge to creative life, which speaks of the fourth ray influence, not only as an urge to creativity as we understand it, which is usually along the lines of artistic endeavor, and instead extends it to include a creative approach to living our daily lives, a daily livingness with the urge towards creativity, towards alignment, towards the ability to project into the higher realms and bring down that which is needed to meet the need in our environment. And so the Tibetan wrote, there's no need for too great an upward straining or too intense and outward looking to use terms which the usual limited point of view can grasp. He wrote, that which is to be revealed lies all around us and within us. It is the significance of all that is embodied in form, the meaning behind the appearance and the reality veiled by the symbol, the truth expressed in substance. And he says that as we work with this idea, this urge to create, we'll be able to create those forms which will express some sense truth and thereby will be enabled to shift our consciousness from the outer world, from this world of seeming into the world of reality. So that's a goal for all of us. And I look forward to hearing Judith's sharing on this topic. So let's move now into our meditation. Coming together, integrating ourselves as a group, focusing on the mental plane at the center of the even arm cross of discipleship, standing at the very center point and linking in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all those throughout the world who are working with this Triangles Meditation Group. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy as we sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Now using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. And visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the worldwide Radiant Triangles Network.
hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Now lift the consciousness to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the center of each triangle. Holding the alignment between your triangle, the planetary network of triangles, the group soul, and the world teacher. Hold the group mind open and receptive to the imploring energy of love. Precipitation, visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangle's network from point to point and flowing out through the network into the hearts and minds of people everywhere. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness, establishing right human relationships. Now linking together as a group, we sound the mantra of unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. 
let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. distribution, sounding the great invocation, silently or aloud. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, as a channel through which light, love, and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Oh. Thank you, everyone. And now I look forward to hearing from Judith. If you could unmute your microphone, please. Thank you. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much, Kathy. Um, Thank you. Good evening to everyone. It's evening where I am. It's not for everyone, I know, but it's really nice to be together subjectively with all of you. And um, Thanks so much for this opportunity. Um, I will speak about the inner voice as a guide in making decisions. It is actually quite difficult to have the clarity of the inner voice strong enough for it to guide important decisions at will in our lives. Especially in times of crises, and I think we are living in such times, it is difficult to even sense the presence of the inner voice on a daily basis. Often, it seems all kinds of voices speak to us from all kinds of directions. The definition itself of the inner voice can also be interesting as well as challenging. Is it the soul speaking to us? Is it the integrated personality? intelligently guiding its vehicle on the physical plane? Where do we actually hear the inner voice? At the top of our head? 
in our hearts, the inner voice is not what we refer to as gut feeling in our solar plexus. We actually have an old saying in Hungarian, according to which you cannot make a good decision unless you are blessed with the presence of the soul. In English, the translation is normally presence of mind, but the Hungarian language clearly states that the presence of the soul is required, not that of the mind. This is often used to describe good decisions made in grave, often life and death situations, where one cannot analyze all the available information to arrive at a decision, either because information isn't available or there isn't enough time to analyze. This would imply that the inner voice is a flash. It can be sensed or heard or seen for a split second, and then it disappears. However, the presence of the inner voice can be longer. It should be cultivated in the background of our lives, always close to the surface, but rising above the surface and becoming visible at will every time it's needed. It is like a reservoir to draw upon in our daily lives, not just to make seemingly important decisions. The inner voice then signifies the presence of the soul indeed, or to be more precise, a connection to the soul itself. In the battle of the soul to infuse the personality, lasting many lifetimes, this inner voice pulls us towards our real and better selves, towards the world of soul qualities like love and compassion. The inner voice can be a reminder to live and practice those qualities on the physical plane. As the soul impacts the personality, the presence of this inner voice can ebb and flow. With the speeding up of events on the physical plane comes a need to quiet down internally on the subjective plane. Etheric stillness is always important, but now probably even more so. Emotions often cloud the etheric body, decreasing its effectiveness. This is of course connected to the cleansing of the emotional body a mental polarization held a controlled thought life, cleanse the astral body, and also help keep the etheric body clear. The voice of the personality, not to be confused with the inner voice, also speaks to us, actually all the time. It wants to do things the way it has always done them, with a false security, going forward in an attempted linear fashion, usually not taking others into account and usually being quite fearful. This can often be experienced as mental chatter leading nowhere. There is no clear action forward, just fears, false hopes, Maya. Lead us from the unreal to the real is very important and relevant. When we see ourselves as souls and belonging to the one humanity, the inner voice connected to the soul can be heard in the mind. But it should also be acted upon to connect the knowledge of the subjective reality with implementation on the physical plane. Everything we know spiritually, we should implement to shape the physical reality based on the spiritual reality, since the two are really one. If we ac accumulate lots of spiritual knowledge but implement very little on the physical plane, this could be problematic. The knowledge just dissipates and there is no result to speak of. An important starting point to make the inner voice heard is the loving acceptance of one's circumstances in life. As the psychiatrist Roberto Azacholi stated, quote, many people are used to taking life, situations, people too seriously. They tend to take everything tragically. 
to free themselves, they should cultivate a looser, serene, more impersonal attitude. It's about learning to overlook the human comedy without getting too emotionally involved in it, of considering the life of the world as a theatrical performance in which everyone plays their part. This should be recited in the best way possible, but without identifying completely with the character it impersonates." Unquote. So much is packed into this quote by Roberto Astagioli and so relevant for the inner voice, and I think for life in general as well. The importance of detachment practiced in daily affairs helps lead to a controlled emotional body, a special task during our current times for all of us. Right identification is crucial. We should aim to identify with the soul always. Controlling our thoughts and mental polarization are very important. A lifetime of meditation, aspiration and service will help in achieving this. Integration of our experiences, our life experiences into a mental framework based on love, goodwill and group identification allows synthesis. And I would define synthesis as cycling through experiences and creating ever bigger circles to include them. Synthesis created on the mental level will reflect itself in unity on the physical plane. Unity for humankind and also a unity with all living beings. Another important element to keep the inner voice vitalized is an alignment of mind and heart. The fiery love from the heart needs to stay connected to the mind the receiver of soul impressions. Whatever role we are assigned in any given life for the personality to play, we should aim to play the role well with the help of the soul. Rather than focusing on directly offsetting perceived karma, follow the inner voice where it leads us and it will give us opportunities to practice soul qualities. These opportunities, rightly practiced, can all work of karma as a byproduct, but our focus should be on building the connection with the soul. We don't actually know where we're going since the starting point, the journey itself, and the destination are things we cannot actually really know, definitely not intellectually. We need to stay invested in the process, not the outcome. And the process is letting the soul control its outer form and implementing soul qualities on the physical plane, like love and goodwill towards others. Practically speaking, when we hear the inner voice, I don't think we should ask why or what it wants or how it fits into the current situation. For it is speaking to us from the place of a higher purpose from a place yet not knowable, but we are all on the path of eventually knowing it. The presence of the inner voice is proportionally connected to the extent we're able to keep the light in our head and in our group identification. Finally, about group identification. It is necessary, and this brings us back to synthesis a bit. Unless we see ourselves as part of the greater whole and as part of our groups, we cannot be effective in keeping the inner voice vitalized. Group identification is the one reality. It enables us to see an ever greater slice of the one world and shift our sense of self towards the real I. Thank you so much. Thank you, Judith. It's
very deep. Your thoughts are always um, deep yet uh, out of your own experience. Therefore, they ring so true. So thank you so much for sharing with the group. I have a, a few questions before we open it up to the group. And we have sufficient time to do both. So um, I wonder how to distinguish among the many inner voices that we hear in our head. Um, and this is hard. Um, it doesn't happen without stillness, as you said, on the etheric, physical, and emotional planes. So do you have any tips on how to make that distinguishing identification of the voices we hear in our head? You know, I'm still learning and, and it's a struggle. Um, but I think um, when the Tibetan talked to the disciples um, and wrote his letters to them, he often talked about um, physical plane uh, structure, how a structured life is important, um, how sometimes simply sunshine is important to revitalize the etheric and the physical body. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that, uh, and of course it's always um, somewhat dependent on everybody's ray composition, but what I found is that um, a, a certain, um, spiritual rhythm is also necessary, which is deeply rooted in the physical life itself. So I cannot really have chaos around me, for example, um, physically as well. There has got to be a certain order, but that's probably just partly my, my ray composition. But I think, I think the stillness, the inner stillness is important but it should also be reflected in a proper rhythm uh, and balance in the, in the physical life, on the physical plane. I think that helps because then it helps to keep the focus mentally. And as long as you have a mental focus, I think you're able to distinguish because you will know where certain voices are coming from. You will know after a while when you have some practice with, with um, a mental focus that, for example, the personality is looking a little bit sideways, but not really, you know, not really back. It's, it's looking, it's taking certain learned lessons and wants to do them automatically to bring you forward. So once you know that, you recognize that. And you know that that is just a personality perspective. And you know that the soul perspective is so much more. And I also find, not to praise this group, but I also find that, for example, being subjectively together with groups and and among that, for example, triangles for me, almost every week I'm here, that is a great anchor. Yeah, it's part of that rhythm that you're speaking of. And don't you think, I know that you are a Libra, so I will out you on that. Um, Libra is, is also so um, vitally important at this time in planetary history because it's governing the transition period. So I would think it's really aiding us all, and partic- particularly those people born under that influence of this need for balance that you spoke of. Yes, I am indeed a Libra and you outed me because I had tremendous difficulty actually. I thought I had tremendous difficulty making decisions mm-hmm. until I understood um, you know, what, what being a Libra actually means. The two great lines of force. Yeah. That was to me a key um, enlightenment so to say because once I understood that yeah I feel like this kind of paralysis with making decisions it went away it became a lot easier but I was also able to deal with um, the world so to say a lot more easily yeah the balance point is the soul and that's what you've spoken about and it is as he says um, that it leads to Shambhala you know, Libra, that energy of Libra, that energy to connect with the soul 
leads to, um, it holds the key to penetrating into the highest center. So yeah, it's a great um, energy to work with. Um, do you think that trauma can block the inner voice? You know, I spent uh, a substantial part of the past two years working with different groups here in Hungary, um, dealing with national trauma. And although I am not a trained psychologist or psychiatrist, um, I have to say um, I got quite deep into that with the group. And um, and Kathy, you actually mentioned the, the presence of the fourth ray um, mm -hmm. here, here in Central Europe. And, and Hungary definitely has it, I feel. Our history is also full of lots of violent events and, and happenings, and mm -hmm. there is a lot of trauma. People talk about it now openly, but I felt I had one important takeaway from, from the work because we all think, the diff first of all, the different ways to work with trauma and, and of course, professional ways and modalities. And, um, and the idea is, of course, when you remove trauma, you unblock your ability to listen to your inner voice or the voice of the soul, your mm -hmm. connection to the soul. Mm -hmm. But I haven't always found that to be the case because often, if I could give a good analogy, uh, maybe a good one, um, trauma is like, like a dirty pool of water, like a puddle with dirty water. Mm -hmm. um, and you need to somehow make it clear again. Um, but when you start stirring it and you identify with trauma too much, then you just stir the dirty water. It never becomes clear. And I find that unless we talk about the proper identification, which is don't, and I think this is what Asta Jolie is saying also, don't identify with any parts of the personality. For me, trauma is actually part of the personality. Don't identify with it. And isn't it interesting that that's one of the main um, tools used by psychoanalysis and, and most therapies today is, is focusing on the trauma and talking about it. And in effect, that sounds like the complete opposite of what the esoteric uh, psychology is asking us to do, which is to focus on the soul. And I think eventually the profession will get there. Um, yeah. <laughs> they have to get there because more and more of us realize this. And I really got into this work with the national group. I mean, we're focusing on, on traumas to the nation. And it, 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 that was really my takeaway. Nevertheless, I think we have to go through that stage because um, certain modalities can help as long as you yeah. also start moving towards the right identification. Yeah. Um, and that is key. Um, what's your view? Do you think that we can correct earlier mistakes and wrong turns we've made in life when we don't listen to the inner voice? Um, my sense is the, the inner yeah. voice doesn't go back, Kathy. That's my sense right now. It, it doesn't go back. It always asks you to, to treat the present moment as the starting point, always. Yeah, that's a beautiful thought. And you have to move forward from there. And, and I find that also to be true in any life situation. I mean, even in managerial situations, I mean, you take any given situation as a given. You make that your starting point and then you can move forward. But without mm -hmm. accepting, just like the Asajuli quote was saying, without accepting the current situation, it's very hard to move forward. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there, there, there's no inner voice guiding you then. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems as if we, as, as that quote said, we have to accept all things. And I read a, recently read a quote from Blavatsky that stated exactly the same thing. And the Tibetan has said it as well, like to remain in difficult circumstances. Don't necessarily, unless it's very abusive, of course, but to remain in a difficult situation helps us to learn the karmic lesson. And only then can we move forward. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, 
I think we can open it up to the group and there are quite a number of comments. And so if anyone would also like to raise their hands, they can share audibly with, um, with Judith. Um, do you see the chat box, Judith? Uh, yes. Okay, so if you see anything that you feel you'd like to comment on, please do so. Here's a, a hand raise, so I'll, Ellie. Hi, Ellie. Can you unmute your microphone? Um, let me try it again. Hi, Ellie. Hello. Okay. Hi. Hi, what a great discussion and uh, talk. Thank you so much. So um, one of the things that came straight to mind is the, the phrase, um, to, to the love that underlies the happenings of the time, right? That, that um, and speaking from personal experience, like most of us can going through, you know, a, um, emotional crisis, physical crisis, any kind of crisis affects all the bodies of, of the, the human vehicle. But, you know, to take a stance, the, the challenge is to take a stance of utter detachment that I, I find woven throughout the um, Alice Bailey Tibetan work. And uh, to recognize that even horrible things like war, which the Tibetan discusses at some length, have a purpose in, in the grander scheme of things. And that, that purpose is ultimately for uh, the benefit of uh, humanity, despite outer appearances, you know. Anyway, that's mm -hmm. my two cents. And th that's the challenge I think we all face in this chaotic time again, like so many before. and you know, is, is detach, recognize that there, there's some good in there somewhere. There is a silver lining, you know? Anyway, thank you so much for all these meetings. Very grateful. Thank you. Judith, did you have anything to respond to that? Uh, yes, uh, Kathy, can I reference two um, comments in the chat box? Uh, actually, I want to I want to agree with both, <laughs> um, but I didn't really talk about it. So uh, one is from Kate Handen, and she says, regarding discerning the voice of the soul, a wise friend told me many years ago that the voice of the personality is often complicated or complex, while the inner voice of the soul is often quick, concise, like a straight knowledge such as via a short phrase or symbol that comes to mind during one's listening. I completely agree with that. I think that's, that's a distinction. Um, indeed, the soul is not complex or complicated and it communicates, I find also rather in short phrases or symbols. And then mm -hmm. um, a similar comment from, uh, Clint Gavin, uh, I think the word voice is misleading. I don't hear anyone or anything speaking to me. I think it's more of a prompting or an idea implanted in our minds and thoughts um, that leads us to work in group activities. Yeah. Yes. Very true, the, the, very, very true, both of them. A figure of speech, the voice, yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting, although it can come quickly, as Kate and you have indicated, the Tibetan also does counsel that sometimes we have to wait, even though the response can come ultimately in a flash, there is sometimes a, a real need for waiting uh, and not forcing decisions because they will come in their due time. And, and Dike says, the person who waits will be much less likely to make wrong decisions, quote unquote, wrong decisions. And I have found that to be really helpful advice as well. Um, John has his hand raised. Can you unmute John? Thank you, Kathy. Judith, fantastic talk. And it's just so rich and full of wonderful information. 
especially like the reference to the fourth ray in the countries uh, in Central Europe. I think that I think that resonates quite well. Maybe I wasn't listening as carefully as I could, but I thought I heard you at the beginning of the talk reference that one important way of discerning your voice is the origin, whether it comes from the top of the head or the heart. And I thought I'd ask if you could explain the difference between the origin between of, of the two or what they may represent. I think that, um, yeah, I think I mentioned that, you know, we have a gut feeling which is in our solar plexus. And that is something quite different. That's more of a physical, almost animalistic connection that we have. Um, so I would take that out. But other than that, I think that what I find is that normally soul impressions come physically on the top of the head. So you would, I cannot speak so much about the heart, right? I know about the, the importance of the alignment um, of the heart and the mind, but this is something I'm still very much working on. But I would say that inner voice usually speaks to you from above. Good. Thank you. That was uh, what I was hoping to hear. And actually, Rosvita just um, commented, um, thank you, Rosvita. The solar plexus is the emotional center, indeed. Yeah. Uh, intuition versus instinct. But, uh, but thank you. Fantastic talk. And I'd love to hear more from you and more about the work you're doing. And with that, I'll turn it back over to the group. Thank you. Were there any other comments that you'd like to address? Um, Suzanne says, what about a gut feeling? I would actually say the gut feeling is from the solar plexus. So it is connected to emotions. Uh, there's a, a question from another Suzanne, or maybe the same one. Uh, would you say that our intuition is our soul talking to us? I would say yes, if it's the intuition talking to you, yes. Um, Holly asks where she can find a recording for today's meeting. Um, it's on, you can go to various places. Um, it's on our Triangles Meditation group on Facebook, if you're a member of that. Um, it's also on on our YouTube channel under the live link. Um, it's also on our Inner Sight uh, podcast, which is available mm -hmm. on all podcast platforms. And in a day or so, it will be available on our Triangles blog, which you can get from the triangles.org website. And that, has, that will have the transcripts there as well. So there's multiple places. Uh, maybe one one last comment, if I may, Kathy. Um, sure. E hit. Um, they are writing with too much attachment to the outcome. I find it is more difficult to receive true intuition. I absolutely agree. Uh, we cannot be invested in the outcome. I find that it has often led to wrong decisions. We need to be invested in the process. The challenge is we have to know what the process is. And, and yeah, that's uh, what the group identification is for and the group work we are doing. So as long as we're invested in that, the right decisions will be made. Just being invested in the outcome is not the right approach. Yeah. And also it's helpful to always keep in mind that we learn profound lessons from our mistakes in life. So mistakes are not quote unquote, really mistakes. You know, they're just perhaps a temporary detour um, through which we might learn many things that we might not learn otherwise. So it's good to keep that in mind. All right. All right, Judith. Well, thank you so much. 
and Thank you. I'll share the rest of the I'll share the rest of the chat with you so that you can see all the comments and uh, thank you thank you to the group for all of your sharing as well so let's just take a, a final moment to link with the group and visualize the planetary network surrounding the triangle with lighted triangles Our sound, the Om. Om. Thank you again. Thank you, Judith.